0: Learn more at marines.com.
2: Myron Metcalf back here on 1500 ESPN. And I want to welcome a very special guest, Larry McKenzie, who is uh, the head coach at North
3: High School. Larry, how you doing? I'm good. And we have to say Minneapolis North because we don't want to get uh, North North St. Paul uh, <laughs> mixed, mixed up in there. Very uh, true. Minneapolis
2: North. Uh, the uh, back-to-back champions a couple of years ago, right? Uh, a that's team that's correct. That's correct. A, yep. a team that just sent Odell Wilson, who's a guy that more people should be talking about, uh, committed to North Dakota State, which I think is a is a great achievement. Uh, a key player on your roster, and I also believe he was valedictorian
3: uh, of the well, class. Well, he, it, it's it's kind of funny because he his girlfriend actually beat him out, <laughs> nice. uh, so he finished second in his class.
2: Wow. That's a great that's a great story. It must for you as long as you've been in the game, you know, to produce players like that who not only perform on the court, but then go out and get opportunities to play at the next level. I mean, you must really enjoy that aspect and sort of that finished product of what you do.
3: You know, uh first so first of all, let me just say thank you for having me on and I always appreciate uh what you do and you know how you uh reach out and have always, uh, you know, covered the work, but you know. So to me, I, I guess when you talk about the bargain, I mean that's that's what I tell kids and families right up front. You know, when when they come into the program, you know, if you do the things we we ask you to do, you know, we we're gonna guarantee that you go to college. I'm not gonna say that every kid's gonna play Division One, uh, but certainly if you you know become that student athlete, take care of your business, all that off the court. Then those opportunities are going to uh, present themselves. And the thing that with this group, Myron, uh, you know, one of the things that I shared with folks last week, I actually, if you go back to our 2015 uh, championship, 15-16 championship team, Odell is the the last of that starting group that's playing Division One sports. I mean, wow. you know, Tyler is uh, starting wide receiver for University of Minnesota. Yeah, uh, Jamil Jackson's playing Division One basketball at Southern Utah uh patrick dimley's playing division one basketball he'll be at boise state uh isaac uh, started as a freshman last year for western illinois and now odell is joining that group finally and he's going to be playing basketball at north dakota state so for a school that was closing was just some short uh seven years ago uh i feel like quite the accomplishment it's a remarkable
2: story what Minneapolis North has done, what that program has done, and some of those names that you listed. Uh, It it is amazing, especially when you have guys who are from that area in an age where the best players just go wherever they want, you know, because the system kind of allows that uh, to happen. I wanted to talk to you as a coach because on the show today we've been talking about Dwayne Casey, um, and I saw some tweets from you. For me, coach, I look at it and I go – I can see how the Raptors would look at a guy like that and say, you know what, I'm not sure he can get us over the hump in the coming years. I'm not sure he's the guy to help us do that. I can also see the other side where you go, he's Coach of the Year, 59 wins. What else do you have to do? W- what was your response when you saw that Dwayne Casey had been fired uh, mere days after being named Coach of the Year?
3: Well, you know, so so here's here, – I'm, I'm just going to be very, very transparent. Please do. You know, sometimes, sometime, you know, as a person of color – Good is not good enough, and i I just feel like you know, and as a coach, obviously, like I tell my kids, I mean you know I can do everything I can do you know on non game days, I can stop, I can go over, but once that once that you know once the lights come on and this lights action camera, then i'm limited to to timeouts, right, and I only have so many, and so the thing about it is then I'm relying on guys who are out there to do what I know. Uh, that that they've been prepared to do. And so, you know, I, I, again, I mean, from a business standpoint, I certainly understand. But, I mean, we, uh, but when your second-best player disappears, you know, to the point that he's benched the last 12 minutes of a game, you know, just don't show up, uh, I don't know if you can put all of that on, on the coach. I mean, because the coach don't put the ball in the basket. The, co- the coach don't get stops. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. And I would be willing to bet. You know, and here's probably one of the, here's what probably cost him his job. If you go back, I think it's game three. Game three, LeBron catches the ball. I, I'm sure, and, and I mean, I, I'll never know I wasn't in the huddle, but I'm sure he asked to double the ball. I think somebody with the sleep, you know, because the natural thing to do on that play, double the ball, get the bar, ball out of LeBron hands, make somebody else make the play. Yeah. That did not happen. LeBron, you know, they they give him space. He goes downhill, you know, banks it off the glass. I mean, hero play, right? But that's, I mean, so how much, it, it, and like I tell, you know, so being a coach, right, I can tell you all day, Myron, two plus two is four. Yeah. Two plus two is four. Now, when you get in, in, in the classroom and on that test and you write down five, is that my fault? your fault that's a good question coach obviously and i think that's fair and, and
2: i have these conversations with coaches uh all the time because in your profession you know one, one mistake by a player can cost you your job your and I, I, you i'm, I'm very price. sensitive Please, to that yes. here's my yes. thing okay i think one of the th- reasons that you hire a coach at any level and i don't know how to do this i'm not a coach i think your job <laughs> is very difficult but one of the reasons i hire a coach you hire a coach is because you say look there's a kid over there, there's a player right there who has immense talent. And we got to get that out of him. Not just in the regular season, but in those difficult moments when the lights come on. Now, Coach, I agree. I don't know how to do that if you're Dwayne Casey and you got DeMar DeRozan checking out of a game when he's got a big contract, he's an all-star, and he's just not showing up in game four. And he commits a silly foul that gets him ejected in game three. I don't know how to solve that. I don't know what the magic is. But I do know that my expectation is that you, the coach, somehow figure out a way to get to that guy and get the most out of him to help my team win. I think that's fair. And, and I do too. Right.
3: So, I mean, yeah. what's the balance there? I understand that. I mean, so, so, so again, I mean, you know, on that side of it, I, I, I agree with you 1,000%, right? That, that is your job. And in this case, and all honestly, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I get from this is, Part of you know if I'm and so now I'm going to take myself out of the coach, put myself in the GM uh, shoes, right? If I'm the GM and I'm sitting there watching that, right? And I'm also reading the body language. Um, and I and I the the young man that was a six man all year that did not play a lot. Fred Emily. Uh, uh that, yeah, bleek right? Yep. Yeah. So so if I'm watching that, I mean, because here's the other thing, right? Once as a coach, right? Once you lose the locker room, and, that, and when I'm talking about losing the locker room, you know the guys have checked out and your voice no longer matters. Then it becomes hard to coach that team and win. And, and I think from a general general manager and ownership perspective, they felt like, you know what, if we keep this team together, which I think is a decision that was made, you know, in terms of letting Dwayne Casey go, if we keep – and I'm sure he'll land on his feet. I mean, he's obviously he's a great coach. Did a great job with the Timberwolves, you know, almost a similar kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, here in Minnesota, happened to him as well, you know. So, um, but 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 I, I think somebody felt like very strongly that this guy, as you just said, had lost the locker room. He he really was not going to be able to continue to get these guys a, a, attention and demand a hundred percent from them. And if we're going to keep these young guys, who we invested a lot of money and time into, then we're gonna have to let the coach go. And, and yeah. in the end, to be honest with you, these days, I mean, what's cheaper? I mean, it's cheaper to, you know, pick up six million dollars over a hundred million dollars yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, so it's so really. And I tell kids this all the time at every level, right? It's it's about business. And this, and while while I disagree with it, right? Uh, you it, understand and it. it's tough. It, 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 it was a business decision.
2: It definitely was. Um, Switching gears a little bit, obviously the high school talent, There, I haven't seen a buzz like this. And I've been here for a long time uh, in terms of just the, the level of high school talent that we're seeing. Uh, and it reminds me, obviously there was a time where you had a guy named Khalid El-Amin who was surrounded by a, a lot of talented players in this area. Is Khalid the best player to ever play here, by the way? Is he the best player ever in this? In my opinion. Right? In my
3: opinion, he's the best kid that I've seen in high school. Let me tell you, tell you what you, I knew, he was, I there's, knew there's he was great. I li- knew he was great. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, there, there's a lot of guys, I mean, you know, like, for example, I mean, Trey Jones. I mean, there, there's a lot of up-and-comers that, that I think, you know, are, are working their way into the, that conversation as well as Olay. What's
2: happening in Minnesota right now? I mean, where are all these talented kids coming from? Why are we seeing sort of this, you know, group of kids cropping up uh, that are being nationally ranked and, and really going to have some great opportunities to play at a number of Division One schools?
3: Well, you know what? One of the things is, so I always tell folks, I mean, I think the most important thing that's happened in Minnesota has been, one, the uh, explosion of AAU basketball or summer basketball—more kids are playing—and and really because of social media, it's a lot of exposure, you know. And 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 again, I mean, we talk about Khalid, but there's also been guys like you know Robert Meskers and Rick Rickard, you know, going all the way back to Jim Peterson. And I always tell everybody, even Lawrence Class. I mean, if you go back 2003, Chris Humphrey, Dan Coleman—yeah, that Kevin was some Henderson, ballers in there. Uh, yeah, you know, Cameron Taylor, I mean, longer, longer, you know, Calvin, I mean, I can, so, so I'm saying, but I, I but I think it's, it's the, the social media, uh, and then kids are, you know, I, I mean, kids are seeing other kids come through, you know, guys like Khalid get a chance and they're really putting in work. And, I mean, and boy, I, I'm telling you this, uh, 2019 class, um, uh, is just, uh Man, they got some players, you know. But again, yeah. I mean, not only that, I mean, you just think a year ago, you know, you talk about uh, the, the McKinley Wright and Ishmael uh, Elamine and, and Theo John. I mean, you know, year after year after year, and I will tell you, there's a group of eighth graders, right? That's what I uh, hear, starting with Trey Holloman. You know, the my, my, I mean, I started an eighth grader at point guard this year. You know, so I mean, heard a about group it. Of those kids that are that are that are up and coming. That's a, that's talented as well. Yeah.
2: Well, coach, uh, obviously looking forward to see what happens with that young player and the rest of your team. As always, uh, thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me. I appreciate
1: it. All right. Enjoy Atlanta. That was I mean, again, it does give you an interesting perspective, you know, just about how the, we were talking about this earlier too, just to follow the entire evolution of sport is happening right before our very eyes. Uh, it, just the talent. I When I started covering basketball for the Strib
2: a decade ago, more than a decade ago, you didn't hear people talking about Minnesota talent in basketball right. around the country the way that they are right now. We'll be back with more after this on 1500 ESPN. <laughs> Myron Metcalf back here on 1500. Filling in uh, for Royce. Um, if you're a Wild fan, Like, how do you feel about what Winnipeg just did? Like, is it one of those things where you go, look, they beat us 4-1. to We weren't healthy. uh, They were clearly dominant in the better team. And then you watched them go into Nashville in one of the crazier environments. I mean, at least from TV. I don't know what it was like to be there. But it, it just looked crazy on TV to go in and to start like that. And to just kick their teeth in, score two quick goals, peck us out. I mean, if you're a Wild fan, do you look at that and go, yeah, they were definitely better than us, but now we feel better that we lost to a team that, Yeah, I mean, if they get past Vegas, could end up winning this whole thing, potentially?
1: I think the easy answer is to say they were without Suter. Going into the series, which you knew was going to be an uphill challenge. Yes. Suter would have made a difference in that series. I think I, a huge difference. I, I still don't think they would have had enough with a healthy Suter and with a healthy Parisi yeah. to beat those guys. But I think the longer answer to that is they got a long way to go. Because when you look at those two teams head to head, yes, Winnipeg has more talent, but the other thing that's so glaring is they've got way more depth than the Wild do. I mean yeah. Myron, I, I was there for, for the game five clincher. I know everybody on this radio station's already heard that about me, but I was looking at their chart and I was sitting next to a guy that covers the Winnipeg team, and he said, The thing is, they got two lines that are inactive that could play in this series. I mean, that's how wow. deep Winnipeg is. And that's scary. That's what that should that is what should be frightening about that they were constructed the right way. Now they had a lot of growing pains. To get there, I mean, they were not good for a long time. No. So this is the culmination of a lot of hard work and a lot of really smart hockey people putting this all together. But they've got, and I I don't remember if I showed this to you before the show started. No, it was Jay Coles that I showed this to, but you knew when we, we were sitting there in the press box for, before Game 5, you knew you the it. Wild had zero yeah. chance because that arena was electric, that fan base was in it, and those players were... Were ready and you just knew that the wild had no chance and to be honest this was probably your western conference final nashville versus winnipeg i'm not saying that vegas doesn't have a chance but i think vegas will or uh excuse me winnipeg will dispatch those guys in five or six games it feels that way because they're just a better team even though vegas has been a great
4: story up yeah. until this point and you know what we're seeing too with winnipeg and i mean winnipeg might win the whole Thing I mean, they the cup. They've got the horses to do it, but and it it goes back to what I've said about the Wild for the last couple of years. They, you know, they've done a nice job of staying competitive for so long and staying relevant. Where you look at them and say, "Okay, yeah, they're going to go to the playoffs," and hey, you know, maybe a few things go their way; they can go on a run. But when you look at the teams that have been hoisting cups, they, they built from within like their horses have were acquired from being bad and getting high draft picks like chicago pittsburgh you know you're seeing we're seeing it right now with winnipeg winnipeg might win the cup they were bad for for years even when they you know when they were the thrashers in atlanta they were bad and then they left and moved to winnipeg and i mean that to me is the best way to try and win a Stanley cup is if you're, you're bad for a couple of years and you get some high draft picks and you get some talent in and the wild have never really had that time period where they just tanked were at the bottom of the standings for a couple of years and got that legit, you know, they've just been kind of hanging just above the water and it's been good enough to get to the playoffs, but not good enough to get them over the hump
2: it's a weird position to be in, right? Like, you're not going to get the high draft pick. And I think when you bring in Parisi, I mean, I think that was a moment where a lot of people thought you've kind of put yourself in a situation where we're going to create this window where we feel like we might be a few guys away and then that doesn't work out. So they're kind of stuck in the middle a a, a little bit. And you're watching the Nashville's and the Winnipeg's To, to me, Winnipeg going to Nashville, winning game seven, the way they did, it wasn't just that they won. It was how dominant they were. And they were dominant like that against the Wild. I guess I just wonder, a healthy Wild team, how far are they from what we've witnessed so far from that Winnipeg
1: team? Oh, they're a long ways from. They're back. a long ways away. I, I, I personally think, that. and that's why, you know, wh- whatever the GM that comes in to take this job, yeah, I mean, you, you, it's not like the cupboard is bare, but at the same time, as Manny just said, yeah, you, there, there's still enough here to get you to the postseason. But yeah. is that your goal? But they're up against that I
4: mean, there's just not a whole lot of you can't just go out and make another big free agent signing. They just don't they don't have the money to do that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I've said too is, okay, you got Parisi and Suter, you got them signed to these massive 13 year contracts. Yeah. Okay. But now you're hoping that by the time you get to year four or year five into those guys' contracts, that the younger guys that you have, the Zookers and the Granlins and the Charlie Coyles and the you know, neater riders you're expecting those guys to step up and become the premier players on the team and Parisi and Suter are there as more of like veteran leaders who It's supposed to all have line more of up. a the secondary role. Yeah. Like that was supposed to happen and all those young guys I just listed, none of them have really, they've all had shown signs of, okay, yeah, Granlin had a ni- nice year, and then Zucker has a nice year, and then Coyle has a nice year a couple of years ago. But you don't, they they haven't been able to all put it together consistently and for multiple seasons in a row, and now this is where they're at.
1: And not to mention that a lot of those same guys that you just mentioned absolutely disappear in postseason plays. Yeah, play. which Zucker, is the biggest Zucker, issue. Zucker chief among them, by the way. And I like Jason. I think he's a yeah. good player, but... He's got, I think, three goals in thirty some odd postseason games. Yeah, that that's unacceptable. Kind of well, and that's not why, enough. and
2: that's why I'm I'm so fascinated by what Winnipeg is doing right now because that's stepping up in the post. That's changing gears. That's going into a hostile arena in a place where, again, crazy as you can get for an atmosphere, and just being dominant and, the
1: thing, and dominating the guy who might be the best goalie in the game, yep. and just. Sending him home. The thing that Winnipeg has going for them, too, and you've seen it throughout this postseason and uh, it, all across sports, when you're a team that has the ability to change the way the other team decides to play their yeah. game, mm-hmm. that's when you know you have it going on in that particular postseason. The Eagles did yeah. the very thing that the Warriors and do it every year. Boys, that's it every that's year. just <laughs> it. And that's what you're seeing with Winnipeg because you know where Dustin Bufflin is when he's on the ice because your head is up because you're going to get it taken off if you're not paying attention. And that's the kind of thing that you need in hockey in the postseason.
2: Well, and that's my problem. Going back to the first original question, I understand there's a gap between the Wild and the Jets. I get that. But if you're a Wild fan, what are you thinking right now? Should you be hopeful? Should you be pessimistic? Like, how should
1: you go into this period where there are so many unanswered questions going forward? Well, it depends. Are you a follower of the team and a watcher on television like we are, or are you a season ticket holder? If you're <laughs> well, a season ticket holder, you want them to be in the postseason every single year because you want your money's worth. Uh, yes. But 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 the average fan has, I think, the more long-term view of things. At least I would hope so. Because your ultimate goal is to win a championship. And again, that might mean you have to part with a guy like Zucker, like Granlin, because no one's going to give you the assets you want to return unless the player you're sending out has value. And unfortunately, as many said, those guys, those big contracts, you can't move them, in even if you wanted to. Anyway, You're
2: stuck, right, right. And that's where I think a Winnipeg hurts a team like the Wild from a perception standpoint because they were homegrown, because they they are doing it the right way, right. if you will, and they're. Still exceeding expectations to some degree in terms of what they were able to do last night and then what people expect them to do going forward.
1: Really quick. So I mentioned I was in Winnipeg. Yeah. So I'm driving home. I drove up Friday morning. Okay. Li- literally left my house out in Carver, the Chanhassen, Chask yeah, yeah. area. Drove up. Took me six hours. It was nothing. Yeah. All right. Got there. Watched the game. It was great. Watched the the celebration afterwards, which is incredible driving back listening to my guy Myron on on the big on the big sister network the entire <laughs> oh, way nice, back nice it was cool I was like wait I got to hang out with myron I'm like, so you road trip with me that's uh, good man. On, on my way back on Saturday afternoon it was it was fun I try to help on those uh long and I tell you what I mean it's again probably not for postseason but if you're a hockey fan yeah you gotta go to a game up there there that's why I'm kind of pulling yeah. for him because you know what they are? They're the Cleveland Browns. Oh, they got yeah. their team ripped away from them, and they're passionate, diehard yeah. hockey yeah. fans. And this is their moment. This is their. This is what they, you know, I've dreamed about when they lost their team. I'd love to be. I mean, that city, that place must be oh, crazy. My God, yeah. I hope it's still standing after last <laughs> night. To be honest, but you know what? I think after they after they won that game, because I talked to a few people, because I stopped in a, because di- I just wanted to get a flare for what was going on. Yeah, they were extremely happy and they were celebratory. But they're like, okay, we're gonna get this celebration out of our way, but we're gonna save the big one for if we win the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, because they're they're yeah, they're, got to. they're smart, knowledgeable hockey fans. They get it. But man, that would be fun to be up there if they, <laughs> if they win if they the won. cup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God help us all is all I gotta say. Uh, how many games? Uh, for this particular series against Vegas, yeah. I think, like I said, I th- I think Winnipeg wins in five or six.
4: I'll t- I'll take the Jets in six.
1: Yeah. I just they're just a better team. And yeah. by the way, Vegas has been constructed much similar to the way that Winnipeg was. They got good, young, controllable assets that they put it together. And and they're gonna be this is sustainable because a lot of these guys are under control for a lot time. A
4: couple time. Of guys, in fact, that Wild fans wish the Wild would have yeah. held on to. I, I think we're gonna see a
2: classic series, seven games, Ooh. Jets. Right. Look for it. <laughs> we'll be back after this.
0: Byron Metcalf back here on 1500 ESPN. John, we have a sports update? We do. Thanks, Byron. This update uh, sponsored by KFC. This summer, get a crispy tenders. $20 pickup meal includes 12 extra crispy chicken tenders. I'm hungry. Plus all the fixings for a limited time only. This offer is not everywhere and not forever. Tax and substitutions extra. Players championship today, Webb Simpson, done for the day at 15 under. He's got a five-stroke lead right now. Three folks at 10 under, Charles Schwartzel, Patrick Kentley, and Danny Lee. Uh, Tiger, by the way, if you're following Tiger, is one under. It looks like uh, he will make the cut. Twins Angels tonight on the West Coast. Lance Lynn goes for the Twins. Tyler Skaggs for the Angels. One day game today, the Cubs clobbered the White Sox in the Battle of Chicago, 11-2. It was Wilson Contreras' bobblehead day today at Wrigley. He had four hits and seven RBIs. I just That's saw good. his home run that he clubbed. Yeah. Grand slam. yeah. He had two home runs. Some power. But, uh, it was a good bobblehead day for him. Uh, Minor League Twins news. The Twins have released 2012 second-round pick Mason Melitakis. What? Yeah, AAA Rochester Red Wings, the affiliate with which Melitakis had been pitching, made the announcement uh, he'll turn 27 soon. Melitakis first reached the upper minors back in 2014, but then missed all of 2015 with Tommy John surgery. He had been added, though, to the 40-man roster thereafter and returned to, uh, well, post some decent. Doesn't results. that mean that Buxton and Brios are the only two
1: left in that it. draft class? How about that? Wow. That's a, That's a swing and a miss. Am I right, Kenny? Yeah. <laughs> That's a dollar. <laughs> Damn it. That is another dollar. <laughs> Shut up, Myron. Don't help.
0: <laughs> uh, Big Ten softball tournament. How about this? Women Gophers, they're playing in the quarterfinals today, playing Wisconsin. They had a four-hour, 50-minute rain delay after oh, they started wow. the game. Oh. They played the first inning, and then uh, the rains came in Madison, Wisconsin. Four hours, 50 minutes later, they picked the game up. Right now, it's four to nothing Gophers. They are in the third Inning Gophers with two runs in the first and two. Did runs they not in the see second. this coming? I mean, why did okay?
2: At what point do you just say, I'll see y'all tomorrow? Right, yeah,
0: yeah, good question. Uh, the Lynx second preseason game this weekend, they'll play tomorrow, Chicago at the Target Center. That's an evening game. Uh, soccer tomorrow, right here at 1500 ESPN. Minnesota United playing the San Jose Earthquakes at TCF Bank Stadium, 1230 pre match, one o'clock kickoff on 1500 ESPN. Uh, past met present today when Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly walked off the practice field with new Bills quarterback Josh Allen. I saw this photo on Twitter. It looked pretty cool. The first day of rookie minicamp. Allen, whom the Bills traded up to select seventh overall in last month's draft, told reporters he was shaking as he met Kelly. Hmm. Kelly released from the hospital last month after surgery to remove cancer from his jaw. The two previously had exchanged text messages after Allen was drafted. Allen said he's the greatest quarterback to play the game and obviously the greatest quarterback in Buffalo history. Eh, first part might be debatable, huh? It no. was pretty good, Josh. He was good. He was
4: really
1: good. I'll put it this way. Jim Kelly could take a dump on everybody's lawn in that city and he would still <laughs> be loved by oh, yeah. that entire fan
0: base. Put a dollar in the jar. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, and- <laughs> Alan and Kelly later entered the locker room for private conversation. Alan said he said how to embrace the city of Buffalo. Said a few more things, but I'll keep those behind closed doors. I'm still shaking for meeting him. He's a special man. The Bills traded the number twelve overall selection and two second round picks to draft Alan. Became the highest select quarterback in Bills history, a distinction previously held by Kelly, who was the 14th overall pick in 1983. I'm glad he's moving
2: around. I mean, I'm glad he's out there yeah. I mean, after yeah.
0: with the. Have you guys are. ever seen? Is it the uh, what is the Jim Kelly?
1: Not not the Four Falls of Buffalo, but the other one that they did. I think on NFL Network and Jim Kelly did not like being drafted by the Bills because yeah. he was saying yeah, I heard because well, he started out he, was, he went
4: to the USFL yeah, for a couple Houston, years yeah, first right, right. Houston
1: yeah. and he was just saying. Anybody but Buffalo.
4: <laughs> Anybody but Buffalo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and a uh, cool letter today. Paul Gasol. I don't know if oh, you yeah, saw that. Oh, I saw that. was great. Good. Yeah. Penned an open letter on the Players Tribune where he voiced his opinion that an NBA team should hire Becky Hammond as head coach. 41-year-old Hammond led the San Antonio Spurs to the Las Vegas Summer League title in 2015 and, of course, has been one of Greg Popovich's closest assistants since 2014. Made history as the first female full-time assistant in the NBA and is considered a strong candidate for the Milwaukee Bucks head coaching job. Gasol wrote, If you're making that argument to anyone who's actually playing any high-level basketball, you're going to seem really ignorant. I have a simple response to it, which is that I've been in the NBA for 17 years. I'm saying Becky Hammond can coach NBA basketball,
4: period. She will get a head coaching job. That's pretty good. Yeah, even cool. if it's not with the Bucks, she will get a job. You she ready did, to, She
2: definitely deserves yeah. a head coaching job. You we'll be back, out with out back with more here on 1500 <laughs> ESPN. Myron <laughs> Metcalf here, back on 1500
1: ESPN. <laughs> I uh, have an email question for you, sir. Are you ready? Yeah, I think I'm ready. Uh, Aaron writes in, Chris, can you ask Myron a basketball question? Why does he like Khalid over Ty- Tyus, Humphreys, or Mikhail? Uh, just curious because he was talking, referring to your guys as a uh, high school basketball conversation at the beginning of the hour. I mean, that list is four powerhouses,
2: <laughs> right? right? I mean, that's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, there's an argument for all of them. Sure. M- Mikhail. Looking at his career, have obviously the best career of that group and mm-hmm. revolutionized, I think, the game in many ways in terms of footwork. I mean, a lot of people look at these European guys coming over and they're so dazzled by how they move. Like McHale was doing a lot of that in the '80s. And the thing Charles with McHale, Barkley, though, you know, you know, no, go ahead. Riders, I was just go gonna ahead.
1: say the thing with McHale, though, he obviously Hall of Fame NBA player, yeah. but he wasn't the best player in his college team.
2: No, which Michael is Thompson so crazy was. that that yeah. team you know, had that much talent uh but, sorry but yeah but, but McHale no, I, is obviously in that
4: well, conversation Well, because I, what I was gonna say is and Barkley says this all the time on TNT that he said Kevin McHale was the toughest guy I ever had to like defend he was like the sure. toughest guy to yeah. defend ever because of the footwork and the skill that that he had and he McHale played injured a lot yes, a lot like over the course of his Celtics career he played hurt a lot
2: yeah I mean and he he's one of those guys again we don't have to get into this era was better than that era, but you better respect that era and guys like that because if you don't, you're missing a huge piece of the evolution of basketball by ignoring guys like McHale who were doing things that we see today. You just didn't see them, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. everything feels so fresh
1: and so new. But you know what? The And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but the Khalid-Tayas comparison is kind of legit because... Granted, Khalid didn't have the pro career that I think a lot of people envision. No, he was a dominant college a basketball
4: player. Mm-hmm. He
1: was a that he, won a national title, that much that like UCon Tyus team did. Was,
4: man, that U-Dog team with him and Rip Hamilton and, well, and oh how my many, goodness. how big of an
1: underdog were they to Duke in that national they championship game? They were fairly game? big underdog.
2: Yeah. I mean, Khalid, listen, Khalid and Tyus, Tyus are both two of the best players I've ever seen. Right, mm-hmm. um, Tyus to me is the smartest basketball player at any level I've been around, right? Um, I saw him in eighth grade and I remember thinking, this kid can't be in eighth grade. And I followed him, you know, throughout the years. I saw him in ninth grade and a college coach told me, he said, "Uh, that kid can start for us right now. Just because he had the, Mm -hmm. the IQ, like his body hadn't yet caught up to his brain, but the kid's brain, that's the smartest basketball player in that group for sure. Well, no, you can nothing against see it. Chris Humphreys
1: or anybody, And you can it. see it now. I mean, he just yeah. knows where to be on the court. That's what He, he just we is said. physically
2: limited. We he's mean- going to play 10 years and more. Yeah. And I told people this when he was in high school. And I yeah. told people this at Duke. I remember being at Peach Jam. And I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a big recruiting guy, uh, a big national recruiting guy. And he's looking at all these different recruits on the court. Uh, and I said, hey, man, you should watch Tyus Jones. I know he's 15, but, like, this kid's on, playing in this game like, he's going to be a top-rated point guard and go to a Duke, Kansas. No, 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 man. There's these other guys, man. I'm like, listen, bro, Listen, <laughs> listen, dude. You're a North Carolina Duke guy, and you pay attention to that rivalry. That might be your point guard here in a couple of years. And he saw him, and he was so dazzled. I watched Tyus in front of Coach K bring his team back from, like, a 15-point deficit in the final, like, five minutes of an AAU game where he just hit threes. and sh-
4: He just yeah. has that. It's it's You can't and, describe what he is unless you've watched him develop. And the way he played in that national championship he's game just, against Wisconsin was... He's the only reason they won. He's he was special. the only reason they won because Jaleel Okafor did not have a no, good day, no. game that day.
2: He's special. And so, the, I mean, both him and Khalid both have national championships. So, I just feel like Khalid was such a dog and he was so... Pure point guard, Tyus is that, I feel like. Tyus is yeah. a... Point guard Khalid could score fifty, right forty if he wanted to. Tyus could too, but like Khalid, I think was more of a dual threat and a guy who was trying to take you off the dribble and go to the rack. It was a different era as well. They're both special players. I think Khalid, given his success at the high school
1: level, Tyus had a ton of it too. And that's why you know you were talking about this earlier in the hour. I mean, it's it's a hard question. The 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 basketball in this state, it's yeah, it's it's gotten better these last couple of years, but. This state has produced talent. You know, mm-hmm. going going Great back players. to the '90s, I mean, we were talking off the air. My guy Mitch Johnston from Fairwell, yeah. Minnesota, yeah. was Mr. Basketball. He was a D1 player and a, and a pretty good D1 player. And injuries and other things derailed his career a little bit. But we've seen really good talent make it in, around this part. You know, it's it's just it just it's it's fact. Imagine I mean, what, we're known as a hockey state, but yeah. we do produce basketball talent. I still say,
2: if Royce White, if everything yeah. works out with Royce White and the Rockets, like. He had some, you know, there were mental health challenges. Anxiety, right? Anxiety. In terms of, right? yeah, in terms of yeah. the resources he wanted that he didn't feel like they were giving him, and there was a dispute about that. If Royce White goes from Iowa State to the NBA and they're all on the same page, and Royce White just develops and focuses on basketball, all these guys who are impressed by the six, seven, you know, guard, kid with guard skills, that. Royce did that. Royce yep. did that against Kentucky. Yeah. In the in the tournament.
4: I remember I that. I remember
2: that Hopkins team where Royce is playing point guard, and you're like, I mean, a guy was playing point guard for Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State.
4: Right. And he's six seven, six, six seven. eight, and like two hundred and forty five pounds. He that just, might be the most
2: yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna, you know, say something that sounds crazy here,
4: but Why that not? might be the we mo- do it all the time. Well,
2: that might be the most gifted athlete that's ever come out of this state. Ooh. Mm. In terms of better than Maurer. That's that's probably where I shouldn't misspeak. Okay. Myra, obviously, is is number one. You're right. Below that, in that next tier, Royce White is right there. In terms of raw talent that sure. I saw at the high school level. Myra mm-hmm. was obviously a three-sport guy. Could have done anything he wanted. But Royce had athleticism. If I would have told you, if Royce would have decided, I'm going to go play Hopkins football and see what happens with me at tight end or defensive end, any doubt in your mind that he would have been a high-level Division One football player? If you want it to be, mm-hmm. you know, been. that kid has some gifts and some tools and some building blocks that I still have not seen from any player I've covered on the national level.
1: Now, I know you were on uh, in Judd's absence with Phil and I know I, I missed it, but I I know you talked about his story. What What is he doing now? Is he playing overseas or what's what's his story? Well, this is part of the Royce White story, right? He was playing in Canada.
2: He's suspended now. Because he got into it with like the deputy commissioner. Okay. There's dispute about what kind of what happened, but he's been on E60 talking about mental health. Yep. But I mean that's the other side of Royce White, as we all know, and it was there were some other challenges off court things that cost him his opportunity to play with the Gophers. But in terms of on my list, Manny of of like what could have been. Yeah. Royce White's the number one player yeah. on that list in Minnesota sports history. Absolutely. Unfortunately, that's a bad list to be I, I, on. I, right. I don't know yeah. if anyone else is close in terms of what was possible had he stayed at minnesota and developed into who he you know ultimately became at iowa state and really saw that all the way through royce white yeah uh we might be talking about in him like not a mower, but maybe just a step below that based on what he
1: uh could have achieved
2: we'll be back finish the show right here after this
1: Myron Metcalf, you did an exceptional job filling in for Patrick Royce today. However, you, myself, Manny, we did screw up one tiny little thing. It just by the hit way, me too. Oh, the best athlete in the history of the state is not Joe Maurer. It's not Royce Royce White. Oh, Dave Winfield! My yeah. God, how can we forget Dave Winfield?
4: And me being a oh St. Paul goodness. kid, I should have remembered. I should have. Dave, we're that sorry. Right we Dave. know you listen to the yeah. show. I'm sorry. I know. It's
1: it's
2: not you. It's me. I start yeah, I, the show talking about my daughters, <laughs> ignoring my music from the 80s and 90s, oh. and forgetting about history, and we forget Mr. Could you imagine, if,
4: could you imagine if Roycey were here? He'd just be looking at us and saying, what the hell is wrong with <laughs> that's you, guys? I I not even check the hotline. But see,
2: this is how this it is happens, though. You dummies. This is how it happens. You end up having these conversations, and the most obvious thing, like, escape. Because yeah. Dave, he is the list. Like, right. I mean, he's his right. own list in terms right. of a guy who, who, you know, you talk about, oh, he could do it all. That guy could do it all. And was it, who drafted him and he never, was it
1: NBA? Uh, an NBA team? or He was or the drafted in all three sports. Drafted in all three sports. But, but he I don't think he never, played, he never played football. He never played football, okay. But that's just how good of an athlete he, he did was. Because he did play
2: basketball with the Gophers. Yeah, But he was just that... He's the list. You're right. He Win- is the list. It's the Dave Winfield <laughs> list of the greatest athletes <laughs> right. in Minnesota history. Right? And
1: Roycey tells this all the time. I think it was a Yankee scout, oh my goodness. or maybe sorry. it was a Padre scout, that you know, because he had that hitch in his swing. Yeah. And he was a power hitter, but <laughs> Roycey asked. I think it was a scout for the Padres. Said, "Is that swing going to work?" And he says, "That's how bleeping good he is." <laughs>
4: oh my goodness. Yeah. Me being a St. Paul kid, I'm. I should. I'm ashamed, feel to the you. I'm of, ashamed of you. I'm ashamed of you, Manny.
2: I'm. So, I'm sorry because that guy. Oof. He, there is nothing it's Dave Winfield and then you start the conversation about 30 spots below that like right. it's like first through 30 is Dave
1: by the way thank you Bill on Twitter for pointing that thank out. thank you 100% very much right
2: first through 30 is him and then you can have a conversation about who's 31 and then go from there
1: my goodness thanks man you did thank a great you job. all hey
2: this was fun let's do it again thanks for having me on 1500 ESPN enjoy your weekend